I'm really concerned about how Satan is really coming hard against the saints here in our church. It just, you know, there's just so much coming at our people that I feel like that God, well, I know God is still a miracle worker. God is a God who answers prayer. And uh, we're going to believe God for great things. Tonight, I'm going to talk about miracles are real. Miracles are real. And before I start the introduction of the preaching of the Word tonight, I wrote down just uh, in a few words about what I'll be preaching tonight about miracles are real. Uh, All creation declares it. God's holy Word continues to share. For God's book is a miracle book full of miracle seeds. For in each seed is a miracle awaiting to make every foe concede. When you receive each seed into your heart, each miracle seed will begin a miracle to impart. Miracle growth will come next if you don't let fear and doubt mix. The miracle seed will sort out all of those things as long as you refuse to abandon ship. Think of your miracle from the start. Love a miracle from your heart. Believe a miracle even if it's cold and dark. Pray for a miracle for God to spark. Always remember, God's spark is like the blazing sun so that all your evil foes must vanish and run. Speak loudly of God's power and might and speak your miracle day and night. The conclusion is, for your life can be more than just a bologna sandwich and chips smeared with a little miracle whip. Yeah. Our God is a God of miracles. And I want to share tonight that miracles are real. God is a sovereign God. And someone in this room might be saying, well, I don't believe in miracles. Well, one day you will believe in them. One day you will exceedingly need one. One day you will seek a miracle. One day you will believe for a miracle because God always pushes us over the edge for a miracle. Everyone in this room, you will be pushed over the edge to believe in a miracle. God wants you to believe him. Not just believe that he exists, but to believe that he is a God of miracles. If you read this Bible, you'll discover it's full, it is bulging, it is throbbing with miracles. This Bible is a miracle book. Inside this miracle book is miracle seed. Inside this miracle seed is miracle growth. And God is a miracle wondrous God that performs miracles in our life. And we need to understand that there's one requirement for a miracle. You say, well, there's a lot of things you need to do for a miracle. No, what, you, what, what requires a miracle is, <laughs> is you got a problem. How I many in this room say, I qualify? I qualify. I mean, the government can't even veto that one. You're in trouble you qualify for a miracle. And God is the God of great miracles. 
We need to think miracles. We need to love miracles. We need to pray for miracles. We need to believe for miracles. And we as a church need to speak miracles. Amen. I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to St. John chapter 5. St. John chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading with verse 1 of this chapter. I'm going to pull verse 3 out as a text. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and, the, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool that is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, and whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there now a long time, in that case he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered Jesus, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to draw your attention to verse 3. A bunch of sick folk, a bunch of folks that needed a miracle, they lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of halt, blind, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And I want you to know that we've got some people in our congregation here that are in the waiting room of God. We're waiting on a miracle. We're waiting on a move of God. And in this story, an angel would come down at a certain time and trouble the water. And when the water was troubled, and let me tell you, friends, I've got a lot of friends that are troubled. And the water is troubled. And God does his best when the water is troubled. Amen? Has it ever occurred to you Jesus walked on the water when the water was troubled? Amen. And God loves to touch our lives when the water is troubled. I want to use for a subject, as I said already, uh, miracles are real. May be seated. Amen. Miracles are real. This uh, crowd of people near the time of the pool of Bethesda, there were people waiting there for a miracle. And while they were waiting for a miracle, a man that had been there 30 and 8 years, and Jesus Christ said he saw him lie. And I think when he saw him lying on the, on the, the ground, I believe he saw the pain and saw the disappointment and saw the fear in that man. And Jesus Christ said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the man began to give a distraughting story about how when he would try, when the water was troubled, that others would go ahead of him. And one of the things that's really troubling with people in the church 
is when God blesses one person and he fails to bless you. It's amazing. Sometimes we feel like God is good to everybody but us. And that's a good sign that a miracle's on the way. Because God always finds the puniest little pitiful thing he can find in church to bless. Amen? So if you feel the littlest puny horrific thing in this auditorium right now, good news, good news, Jesus is looking at you and he, la- he cares about your need. Amen. I don't want just to tell a story. I want to be in the story. Hello. I just don't, you know, it's, uh, it's important that we understand that God doesn't want us just to read the story. God wants us to be in the story. He don't want us to read, just read about salvation, the gospel of grace and the gospel of Christ. He wants us to be in it, part of it, partakers of his divine nature partakers of his blessing. And when Jesus healed the sick, when he raised the dead, when he performed miracles, he wanted us to not not just read the story, he wanted us to be in the story. One thing that we need to learn, don't read your Bible from the outside, step inside and read it from the inside. Hello. Read the Bible like you're there. And understand that God is this wonderful God that brings about miracles. I am thankful for the fact that our God is a miracle-working God. He's not looking for the one that knows the most Scripture. He's not looking for the one that does the most holy acts. He's not looking for the one that does the most work in the church. In fact, he's not looking for you to do anything. He's looking for someone, God is, that he can bless. God is looking at a lost man that he can save. God is looking at a sick man or a woman that he can heal. God is looking at a dead person that he can raise. God wants to come to you walking on your troubled waters. Jesus Christ said to this man waiting at the pool, you don't have to wait for help. Just rise, take up thy bed and walk. And I want you to know the miracle is not a set of circumstances. The miracle is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. When it looks impossible, remember it's him possible. When it looks like everything's impossible, remember it's him possible. Jesus Christ is the God of possibility. He's the God that heals, the God that redeems, the God that saves, and the God that moves on people's lives. The world is waiting for a miracle. You may be waiting for a miracle. Did you know that in the Lord's prayer, actually Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this in Matthew 6, 9, and verse 10. It's actually not the Lord's prayer. It's a pattern prayer. But Jesus Christ said, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10 tells us that it is God's will to heal and bring miracles. The kingdom, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Is Is not that what it says? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So what I was talking about when Jesus comes in again in the 
in the millennial kingdom. No, it's not. Actually, Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And when Jesus Christ brought forth the life of the church, the Bible says the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. But Luke 17, 21 says, For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Where is the kingdom of God? Within you. And Jesus Christ said, we're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, there's no sick folk in in heaven. There's no dead folk in heaven. There's no cancer-ridden people in heaven. There's no heart, heart attacks in heaven. There's no depression or discouragement in heaven. There's no sorrow and bitterness in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. There's no uh, agony or abuse in heaven. Well, Jesus Christ said, when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and it has. It's in me. Thy kingdom come, and it has. That Thy will be done in the earth. Woo! In the earth as it is in heaven. So by that phrase alone, God is not just a good God in the millennium. God is a good God in our little situation. God is a good God in our life. God is a good good God that cares for us and watches over us. And so we need to understand that there is no restrictions to God's ability to perform miracles. He is a God of miracles. The Bible is a God, it's a book of miracles. And the miracle seed is there. And uh, so I'm going to share some things with you tonight that I hope will give you more insight to what the Bible actually talks about, what the Bible actually is sharing about miracles. And the first place I want to take you to is in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Are you a Christian? Does the spirit dwell in you? Are you the temple of the Holy Ghost? All right. If the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. By the Spirit that dwelleth in you. That word quicken means that the Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead shall quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwells in you. Now, a lot of people take this verse 11 of Romans 8, and they try to say, well, that's talking about the rapture, the second coming of Jesus, or that's talking about the resurrection from the dead. But I want you to understand something. God is doing something here not for an incorruptible body, but for a mortal body. I want you to see this verse is not talking about our glorified body. This verse is talking about that thing you're living in now. The Holy Spirit lives in what you live in now, if you're a Christian. The Holy Spirit is in you now. And this verse is not talking about just rapture or a glorification of a body and a new body. This verse is talking about now. If the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you now, 
in your mortal bodies, then that same spirit that saved you, that same spirit that changed you, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall do miracles for the mortal body that you live in. I'm not adding to it, not taking away. You need to see that he's not talking about a glorified body here. He's talking about a mortal body. Meaning in this verse, the Spirit of God can quicken your mortal body and remove cancer. The Spirit of God can quicken your mortal body and remove back pain and correct your back. That means the Spirit of God that lives in you can correct your diabetes and make you not so sweet anymore. Hello. The same God that lives in you, that saved you, changed you, give you eternal life, is the God that can quicken your mortal body and heal your heart disease, heal your organ disease, heal your skin disease, heal you spiritually, mentally, and physically. You say, well, why doesn't he do it? Well, I don't understand. Why does he let you sin once in a while? Why, why does he let things happen? I don't understand all that, but God didn't leave us alone on the operating table. Hello? God doesn't leave us alone in our time of persecution. Someone might say, well, I don't believe in miracles. You will. You maybe don't believe in miracles now, but one day you'll want one. One day you'll need one. One day you'll seek one. And God has one. Isn't that good? Woo, isn't that good? Now, I, I, I want to share something else with you that I think is so wonderful. And it's found in Malachi, the last chapter of Malachi, the last book in your Old Testament. He's talking about judgment horrific things happening in someone's life. He's talking about God coming in judgment. And in this fourth chapter, it's a short chapter. Actually, it's one, six verses. But I want to point out verse 2 to you in Malachi 4 that I think we need to understand because verse 1, he talks about the plague, burden, judgment, curse, but in verse 2, he says, when he comes, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. That Son of Righteousness isn't spelt S-O-N, it's spelt S-U-N. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Does the sun only arise once in a while, or does it arise every morning? Then a miracle is possible every day. Come on now. You sound like one of them faith preachers. Yep. Is there any other kind? You got to have faith. I'm just not a crazy faith preacher. I believe the Bible in balance. But the Bible says that Jesus, when he comes, he will shine. And how many will agree that when you got saved, he shined his gospel into your heart. And he burned out the darkness. And he brought peace in your life. The light of glory shined in. 
Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 says, Jesus is like the sun. And when the sun breaks open on the east part of the planet, when the sun rises, darkness scurries to every crook and cranny and crack it can find. There is no darkness on earth safe when the sun of righteousness arises with healing in his wings. There is no sickness, no disease, no, no pain or sorrow that the sun of righteousness, when that sun comes up, it just removes the darkness. That sun touches everything. The only thing that sun doesn't touch is people that are hiding from it. The only thing that that sun doesn't touch is those that are hiding underground. The only, the only thing that that sun doesn't touch is people that are trying to have a covering other than allowing that warmth of God to move into their heart. The sun. Psalm 19, verse 5. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Psalm 19, verse 5. Talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. Notice verse 5, he's talking about the sun again, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It said, when the sun comes up out of the east and stretches across the sky, he's like a bridegroom that comes out of his chamber. He's looking for his bride. He's looking for his love. And when the sun rises like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices, as a strong man to run a race. What is that sun going to run? What is that race the sun is running? From the east to the west, our Lord reigns. From the east to the west, our Lord heals. North and south, east and west, from all the four corners of the earth, our God is still in charge of miracles. Amen. Woo! I love this, which... The sun comes out, which is a bridegroom coming out of its chamber, out of his chambers, rejoicing uh, as a strong man to run the race. I don't know about you, but that is just so awesome when you think about the sun comes up to burn out all the darkness. The sun comes up to warm the planet. The sun comes up to bring joy. The sun comes up to awake them that are sleeping. The sun comes up like a bridegroom out of his chamber coming to love his love, to touch his people. A strong, a strong bridegroom, a strong man, a strong. How many know the sun's pretty strong? God is so strong. Did you know God is so strong that I think when God, the Bible says he created the heavens and the earth, he created Adam and Eve and all that, and you know, the, the creation story. But when it comes to the stars, he just says, and he made the stars also. Just one little sentence, and he made the stars also. Shoot, I'd be talking a lot about that. Man, that's incredible. But God just says, yep, yeah, I'll let a few of them stars Escape my fingertips. I let, I let a little spark escape my fingertips, and we call it the sun that rises in the east and sets in the west. We call it the greater light of the day. The sun's burning. 
The sun's burning and the love of God is burning. Amen? I tell you what, I, I think it's so important that we understand the truths of these scriptures. It's important. It's very important that we understand that God is a God of miracles. You know, the church has done so long without miracles, the church is almost wilted thinking that there is no such thing. As long as there's a God in heaven, miracles are real. And you can have one. Amen? You can have one. How about Ephesians 3.20? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, I can ask a lot and I can think a lot more, according to the power that worketh in us. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, that is an incredible statement that God is able to do what we ask for because he's sovereign. God can do anything. There's nothing God cannot do. I get amused with preachers that say, well, there's some things that God cannot do. Who says? He can do what he wants to. Who does God answer to? Really, who does God answer to? I don't want to start a fight here, but I answer to my wife. My wife answers to me. Amen? When my wife went to Texas to work on Galen's house, I did whatever I pleased. Hello? God answers to no one, meaning he can do anything he wants to do. So, well, he can't. I don't believe that's in God's vocabulary. I believe God can do anything. Say, well, he can't lie. Well, he could if he wanted to. Who's he going to answer to? Honestly, who's God going to answer to? There is no, he's not going to answer to an angel. I mean, they're just little peons up there. They're nothing. Hello? God can do anything he wants. You say, well, God won't. I know he won't, but he can. If he wants to, amen? And so God is sovereign. God can do anything he wants, meaning God can remove cancer. God can remove a bad heart. God can heal uh, uh, an infected liver. God can heal a bloodstream. God can change a, a marriage and heal a marriage. God can turn around a financial reversal. God can change a mind that's slipping in Alzheimer's or, or dementia. God can snap that mind back into perfection. Our God can do anything. He's a miracle-working God. Amen? I said Amen. <laughs> that wasn't funny. But anyway, now there's three things I want to ask you, and here are three things I want to ask you. Have you done anything? Have you done everything you know to do? Have you went to the doctor? Have you prayed? Have you sought God? Have you done everything you know to do? God may be waiting on something that you need to do in order to give you your miracle. Now, he can give you a miracle without you doing anything. But we need to position ourselves so that we can believe God healthy. 
Number two, have you done what you are capable of doing? Are you doing what you are capable of doing? I mean, I don't get up in the morning and say, Lord, would you put on my shoes, please? The Lord would tell me, get a life. And I would tell him, I got one. His name's Jesus, your son. And the Lord would respond back, if I have to put on your shoes, you're dead. Amen? Hello. I know that's kind of a simple illustration, but you get what I mean. I mean, Judy doesn't come in every morning, rub my feet, and, and, and put, you know, cream on my feet and rub it and trim my, my, my cornflake toenails and <laughs> corn chips. And, and she doesn't put a socks on me and put my shoes on, said, oh, baby, I love you. She doesn't do that for me. Why? Because Judy would say, do it yourself. Amen? There's things that we can do ourselves, and God wants us to do those things ourselves. Have you been to the doctor yet? Have you, have you, have you been eating right? Are you doing what you need to do? Have you removed all roadblocks of sin to your prayer life? Now, God doesn't need you to do any of those three things, but you need to do those three things so you can have confidence in your faith, confidence in what God is calling you to do. We should never stop repenting. Amen? And we need to understand that a miracle is like flipping on a switch. A miracle is like resetting a, a breaker box, a, a switch on a breaker box. A miracle is kind of like this. You know, you can, let's say you're going to change a light bulb. And you can take that light bulb and you can unscrew it. You can wash it and screw it back in. You can go to the wall and flip the switch on. The breaker is broke in the back in the breaker box. You can, you can put a new bulb in. You can rub it and shine it. You can go, whoo, it'll work this time. Glory to God. Huh, light be. And you're still in darkness. You can unscrew that bulb. You can screw that bulb back. You can change that bulb. You can flip those switches. You can do all that you can do. But if you don't go back in the back room and flip that breaker box back on, that light is not going to go on. You can dust that bulb, wash that bulb, put a new one in, but it will not come on until you flip the breaker box or the breaker switch. And I want you to know the Bible will flip the breaker switch and light you up. The Bible will flip the breaker box and light you back up and give you light that is incredible. Amen? Need to not stop repenting. Need to keep praying, keep believing God. But we need to understand that God wants us to seek Him, look to Him. Have you ever noticed how many times Jesus went up a mountain? You ever read in the scriptures where he went up a mountain, went up a mountain, went up a mountain? Not everybody went with him. Not everybody went with Jesus up the mountain. 
In fact, most of the people stayed down by the lake or stayed down at the bottom. And some people would rather sit at the bottom and hear about what happened at the top than to be in the middle, not just hearing the story, but being in the story. Peter, James, and John stayed so close to Jesus that they went up on the mount. And I want you to know everything that is worth having is worth climbing the hill. Everything that's worth having, Jesus will take you to the top and he will bless you. And we need to be hill climbers. Are you listening to me? We need to be hill climbers. Because anything worth having is worth climbing to the top for. Anything, if you want a miracle, you need to be willing to climb from your valley to the mountain. You need to be willing to go with Jesus to the mountain than to be content with sitting at the bottom and hearing what happened at the top. Folks, I want to be at the top and know what happens. And when you get at the top, you get at the top. Don't misunderstand me. God can give you a miracle in the valley. But wouldn't it be wonderful to just go to the mountaintop and just understand that when you seek God and you turn to God and you walk the upward climb, and life is a climb. Life is a struggle. Life is an uphill climb. And what happens when the doctor says, you're done, don't believe it. When the devil says, you're done, don't believe it. When your body is racked in pain, you say, I can't go any further, don't believe it. Don't stay at the bottom wishing for something to happen. Climb. With every ounce of strength in you, climb. Climb out of your box of depression. Climb out of your shadow of doubt. Climb out of your, your burden. Don't stay at the bottom of the lake. Don't stay in your, and that could be two ways. At the bottom of the lake, you're just sulking and you're down there waiting for the Lord to come back down and tell you, and you hear great stories. Or you can look at this two ways. There are some people that go after pleasure. They stay down at the lake because, you know, that's their, that's their God. And what we need to understand is if God, if God truly, if, if you're going to truly get a miracle from God, you have to let God be your doctor. If you're truly going to have a miracle from God, you're going to have to let God be the great physician. Now, that doesn't mean you don't need doctors. You do everything you can. Doctors save lives. They're working on the same team as Team Jesus. They're in the business of healing. Take your medicine. Amen? You need to take your non-stupid pill every morning. Take your medicine. Nothing wrong with taking medicine. Nothing wrong with watching your blood pressure. Nothing wrong with eating right. Nothing wrong with going to doctors. But remember, the great physician, your doctor can't give you the miracle, but great Jesus, the doctor Jesus can. Amen? Dr. Jesus can. And I, I, I want you to hear me. We need to learn to be climbers. 
When the doctor says there's no hope, you need to climb. When you feel depressed, you need to get out of bed. You need to climb. When you feel like not going to church, you need to climb. When you feel like not praying, you need to climb. Because life is a climb. And if you don't climb, Jesus will help you climb. He'll go with you, and you can go with him to the mountaintop. But don't sit down at the bottom of the mountain. Listen to secondhand what Jesus did. Be with him and know exactly what he did. Amen? I'm going to close this message tonight a little bit different. Brother Richard, would you come up here? Come here, Brother Richard. He doesn't want to do this, but, but uh, he's going to do it because he loves me. Richard's going to do this because he cares about Come on up here, Richard. I call him Lazarus. And I'll tell you why I call him Lazarus. Come on up here. Come on up here. I know you can do it. Climb. Climb, my friend. Climb. If you fall, I'm not picking you up. Come here. Richard. I call him Lazarus. Because Richard is a miracle man. Now, Richard still has some problems with speaking from time to time, but so do I. God has sovereignly given Richard life and more life. Richard, and I don't know everything they've done. To, you've had a, a brain surgery? Yeah. Amen. Uh, two or one? Two, two brain surgeries. You've had a heart surgery. Yeah. How many? Two. two heart surgeries. Two brain surgeries. This is a fascinating man. The last surgery he had, they put him in a nursing home to die. The doctors said that he won't make it. They called in the family at the hospital to say goodbye. But God gave Lazarus a come forth. God gave Lazarus, Richard, a miracle. Now, Richard could have gave up, but he didn't. And what you want to, and, and I don't know whether Richard wants me to share this, but I'm going to do it and I can get, you know, it's easier to, it's either get forgiveness and then, you know, it's either get, get forgiveness and permission. So I'm going to go and say that. When Richard was young, he was very happy and very much in love with his wife. How many daughters did you have? Two? Two. 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 One child. One. A boy. Boy. A boy. boy. And his young wife was killed in a, was a head-on car wreck. Young wife was killed when Richard was young with the little girls and the boy as well. And he raised them. His wife was instantly, instantly killed, head on. He raised his family. He served God. He's went through all of this 
so that I can stand up here with them and say, here's your miracle man. You are a miracle man. You are a miracle man. You leaving? You're just going to go. Go right ahead. I don't want you to fall. Just, if you want to, just take a big jump. Don't push your luck. Now, why didn't God keep him from two heart surgeries? Why didn't God keep him from two brain surgeries? Why didn't God keep him from losing his wife, the love of his life? Why did he end up having to raise the children alone? I don't know. I just don't know. But I know this. He's a miracle man. He's a Lazarus. And if God chooses any of us to go through something in our life, don't forget, miracles are real. Don't give up. Miracles are real. Don't forgive up. Don't, don't, don't ever give up. Keep climbing. Because miracles are real. And if the doctor does surgery, miracles are real. If the doctor doesn't do surgery, and let me advise you as a Pentecostal preacher, you should not avoid help from doctors. You should not avoid medicine. You should do what you can do. God is the one that gave them wisdom. God is the one that gave them medicine. God is the one that skills them. They're part of the team. They're part of Team Jesus. But do not lay in a dark room with the curtains pulled shut and not let King Jesus be your miracle. Don't let go of your miracle, Jesus Christ. Amen? You say, well, preacher, what, what happens when someone does die? Well, we've lost some. We have. We've lost some. We've lost some wonderful people. We've lost some good people in our church. We've lost some. But that doesn't change the fact that God still performs miracles. That doesn't change the fact that miracles are real. And if our church ever needed at this juncture some more real miracles, like Lazarus, we need them now. We need God to move. We need to miracle-working power of Jesus Christ. Remember, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. No one's sick in heaven. No one dies of cancer in heaven. No one dies of a heart attack in heaven. No one is depressed and discouraged in heaven. And God said, I want the same thing that's in heaven to be on earth. And I want to do that in you where the kingdom of God resides. Isn't that beautiful? I, uh, I've seen God do some beautiful things. In my ministry, I've seen God do some wonderful things. In fact, this church is nothing short of a miracle itself. 
Nothing short of a miracle itself. When we started preaching verse by verse through the Bible, after I'd had a horrible car wreck and, and almost died, and I would crawl up the steps just to preach, I know what it is to go through pain and suffering, but that pales in comparison to how good God is. And when we started preaching verse by verse through the Bible, our church tripled in attendance immediately. And our finances tripled in finances immediately. Why? Because God honors his word above his name. God honors his word above his name. And so I want to say, if you find yourself in need of a miracle, and you may need one now, just be mindful of the fact that there is still real miracles. And there is no reason why you cannot enjoy one of those. Amen? Go for it. Reach for it. And don't let anything of the past plague your mind. Believe God for your miracle. Some people need a miracle in their family. Some people need a miracle in their home. Some people need a miracle in their marriage. Some people need a miracle in their finances. Some people need a miracle in their health. Some people need a miracle in their grandchildren, their, 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 their loved ones, and their neighbors. Well, I'm here to tell you that God's still big God. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him for they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is the God of great power. And Hebrews eleven six says he is the God who rewards. He is and he is the one that rewards us when we seek his name. So pray up, think up, look up, cheer up, allow God to lift you up. And start walking up and quit sitting down. Start walking up. Be a mountain climber. Not a bottom sitter or a bottom feeder. Climb. Go with Jesus. Go with Jesus. Stand with me. We're giving an invitation. I hope you enjoyed tonight. Hope you received. I, I, I'd like for you to receive a miracle. You say, well, preacher, I've seen loved ones die. I know that. We've had people in our church go on to be with the Lord. I understand that. And I don't understand everything. But one thing I understand completely is that God is sovereign and miracles are real. And we don't want to ever leave God out of that option. Hear me? Don't ever leave God out of that option. Miracles are real. So I want you to pray for your miracle. I want you to believe God for your miracle. I want you to pray for a miracle for Don DeMay. I want you to pray for a miracle for Bobby Baldrige, let's pray for a miracle for others who are battling. Nimmer's doing quite well, but we're going to pray that she gets full recovery.
Doris Wood, others need a touch in their body. John Llewellyn, I want you to pray. God, let us be a people that believes in miracles because miracles are real. Josh, go ahead.